for many years, we've been working on things at Momofuku. We have a lab. We've created something I'm really proud of, instant noodles in three different flavors. We have soy sauce, tamari, varieties of chili crunch. And we have two new items that are coming out right now. And that's a hot honey chili crunch and also a chili crunch that is a fiercely, fiercely spicy. And that's the ghost pepper. I think that's the ultimate ceiling for heat before you get into a scorpion reaper or these names that are crazy and very painful and things that I've tasted on hot ones that I never want to really taste again. But ghost pepper is actually still used in many cuisines and that's available now. You can also get a 10% discount code if you sign up for our Discord channel at majordomomedia.com. You can also get 10% off any day and $25 off your first order from Cometeer, but that's not the main reason to sign up for Discord channel. There's many different pockets, different holes you can go down for how to learn about culture, how to cook things differently, a lot of step-by-step recipes, but ultimately how to live your life a little bit more deliciously. So please join us at our Discord channel, majordomomedia.com. There's a link that will take you there. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. eBay Motors is here for the ride with over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die. Brake kits, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Smucker's Uncrustables. I love a food hack. Check out Uncrustables, the best part of the sandwich. It's a round, crimped sandwich made with soft, pillowy bread filled with peanut butter and jelly. The best part is you simply freeze and thaw them, pop them straight from the freezer into a lunchbox for less work on a busy morning. You'll find Smucker's Uncrustables in the freezer aisle. Learn more at Uncrustables.com. The Dave Chang Show, part of the Ringer Podcast Network, presented by Major Demo Media. Thank you, Yola Tango, as always. Joined with Chris Yang. Uh, I am at home, uh, recuperating still. Chris is in the pillow room. <laughs> I, am in, I am surrounded by pillows, but don't forget, Dave, it's not just a room that you have lined with cushions from the couch. It's also a room that we've lined the ceiling of with uh, trash to make into not, a studio. Not any kind of trash. I'm sorry, they not any kind the, of trash. We're recycling the the packaging that our cook any days come from. Very nice packaging, and it doubles as as uh, for any aspiring microwave cook slash podcasters. It doubles as good soundproofing material. We're gonna make a nice fifteen second TikTok video hack about how to recycle things that are soundproofing. <laughs> we just need to get approval from our good friend Isaac Lee if this is actually. <laughs> actually works to stop meet Isaac Lee standards. I mean, at some point we are going to have a proper studio. We are, we are doing everything we can and we are just, it's literally, I'm in a padded room that Dave created recording. You helped, you helped. (laughs) I did help. I got into the spirit of it. Gotta be honest. I'm I'm, I'm a little tired. I did not know. um, I've never really had a concussion outside of football when I played in high school. 100%. I had many, many concussions. But I talked to my doctor and I was like, why is this affecting me more now than ever before? And he said, because mm. you're 45 years old and you weren't wearing a football helmet. Hmm. <laughs> I was like, yeah, <laughs> that makes sense. 
<laughs> do you have, do you actually have recollections of like similar things happening from high school football days? Just getting hit so hard yeah. and your head hurts, but yeah. it was a different time. I mean, I don't know. I'm a, a little bit older than you, but this is how different it was playing football and wrestling. Definitely football where you're doing two days in 100 degree weather. Yes, that's not an exaggeration. In Maryland, Washington, D.C. area, it's a swamp. It's very hot. You weren't allowed to drink water. <laughs> that, was, that was a sign of weakness. Could you go, you know, there would be water breaks, maybe one or two at the middle and at the end, but uh, it was a sign of weakness and you would get in trouble and you'd potentially get demoted if you were thirsty. Good guess. That's, that's crazy, right? Would you let Hugo and Gus play? I would not let, you know, that's the thing, man. I, I really want to be somebody that is allowing them to make their own decisions. But at the same time, I have issues with playing football. I was listening to Bill Simmons and Cousin Sal talk about their parent corner where both of their kids are playing football, right? Yeah. And I think it's a weird thing for a parent to be in. Well, you want, you, you want to see your kids play, but at the same time, you don't. So I don't know if I have an answer. What about you? Would you let Keith? I, I wasn't allowed to. Like I was, my parents flat out said, no, you're not allowed to play football. I think I was talking to our, our, our business partner, partner doc, and he was, he identified the issue that I think is, is probably sums it up for me. Like it's one thing when you're in high school and you're playing, you're, you've been sorted out into sort of like, you know, freshman JV varsity, whatever. And like, you're, you're, you're with appropriately sized people. But like, I think the age that I'd be most concerned with is when the kids are 11, 12, 13, when like another 13 year old kid can have 140 pounds on your kid <laughs> and just, you know, or vice versa, right? Like when the kids, when the age doesn't match up to like a consistent size and like suddenly, you know, one kid who is still legitimately a kid is taking a hit from somebody who's for all intents and purposes, a full grown man. Like I think football was important for me because I never played a team sport ever. Yeah. So there's a first team sport I ever played and I enjoyed it. I was really good at it. I was all league first team. God damn. So, I, you know, I thought I was really good at football, but good enough to play D3. But I don't know if the pros outweigh the cons here in terms of culture, in terms of a lot of things. If I knew what I knew now, I don't know if I'd play football. I didn't even understand what jock culture was. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, I had no idea. I just played golf. So how the fuck was I going to know that there's this thing called jock culture? I only knew. I didn't even know that golf was for losers. You know what I mean? <laughs> but that's it was the such a bubble. Place. That's the best bubble you could be in. But you're just like, I don't know that golf. <laughs> but I did know that football, growing up watching football, that was how you would get social acceptance. Mm -hmm. So that's why I played. I think a lot of people played football, uh, having never played it before. So um, I, I, I did enjoy it, but I think that there are other sports I could have played or I, I don't know. I mean, I talk to people that are pro football and having their kids play football and they say that there's no other sport that builds that kind of bond and community. But, you know, it brings up something interesting. I remember growing up and the only person that I knew as a professional working chef was uh, my brother's friend, John Laudier, and his father was a French chef who worked at some of the top restaurants in, in the D.C. area. And he also was trying to shoo me away from cooking professionally. Hmm. But I remember because we would have big Thanksgiving dinners uh, and we have a lot of Thanksgiving stuff coming up, by the way, just FYI. He would always come over to our house because they never really did too much 
Thanksgiving foods because their dad never cooked or ate anything delicious, right? He ate extremely clean and very healthy. I never understood that ever. And it's the sort of same vein when people are like, oh, you must work at restaurants. You eat everything. You know, I just had two, two straight days of pizzeria, pizzeria Bianco at Bianco's restaurant. I had dinner with Bianco last night. He didn't eat any of his food. Hmm. I think there's some kind of mixture of, I think there's two different conversations here that are tied together. One is chefs that don't want to eat at their own restaurants. Yep. And two, as chefs get older, it's a little bit mixture of cynicism and jade, jadedness, but also the inability to want to eat the things that you are excited about, hmm. right? Like I could see myself getting to a point where not necessarily eating chicken breast and stuff like that, but food almost sometimes becomes just energy all over. I see what again. you're saying. Yeah. You know? I see what you're saying. Yeah. And like I think, clean. I think there's like, especially when you're a young chef and you're not quite jaded yet. Like you're just like you're you're consuming everything. Whether you're like whether you stop and really think, do I like this or not? You're like, yes, I've got to try every single thing because it's part of my job. I need to consume, 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 consume the fattiest, the saltiest, the spiciest, you know, the most pungent flavors. And I'm learning. I'm learning and I'm absorbing. Like that's your job. And like, right? Like it's like you're saying. Like you return to your natural state as like a human. Or <laughs> it's like, what do I need? Right. What does my body need? And what do I actually want right now? And there's another cycle there, I think, that sort of coincides with that. When I first started out, I think this is very similar. While it's a blanket generalization, I do believe that there is data that supports this. You are just trying to immerse yourself and learn all these techniques. You're trying to learn about ingredients you haven't tasted before. And as you get sort of in the cycle on this ups, ups, upward cycle of learning about cooking mm -hmm. and all the wonderful things and ingredients you start to cook with so many colors and so many ingredients. It's very rare to find a chef that's younger, right? Not, when I say younger, not age, it's not ageism, but just starting out that is restrained and is trying to cook with very little ingredients. Again, there's clearly exceptions to the rule. And, you know, the cycle is cook with a lot, get messy with a lot of ideas. It's complex. It's too much. And then as you get older, you start to streamline and you get to a point where you just want to cook very simply and it looks Italian and rustico. So I think that the next phase after that is I don't want to eat any of that. I'll eat it, but I'm not looking forward to it. I just want, it's not like eating protein shakes every day, but it's, it's a different kind of challenge. And I'm not saying that's where I'm at, but maybe I'm getting to that point where when you start tasting everything. Right. And this is about being present. We've talked about this a lot over the past year. It's not as exciting as it used to be. It's not, mm -hmm. maybe it's, is it desensitized? I don't know. But I used to dream about what foie gras mm -hmm. was like. I literally used to dream about foie. I remember my first lobe of foie. I remember getting at cooking school and being so excited about it. And it was frozen, it was defrosted, and they let me fuck around with it. And now that I've worked with the best foie, I now know the difference of that foie that I had was disgusting. Sure. Right. Full of veins. It's probably like level D grade. I've now worked with foie so much in my lifetime, from terrines to torchons to hot, cleaning the veins. I never really want to work with it ever again. I also am past the point of, ooh, I really want to eat foie. Mm -hmm. You know, it used to be the sacred 
forbidden fruit. And now if it's on the menu, yeah, it's great, but it's not moving my needle anymore. And I don't know if that's my fault or if other people feel that way, but it's not just foie anymore. It's all of these ingredients. Mm -hmm. It's weird. I mean, I think that you are, I think there's two things there. I think part of it is that you're jaded. Part of it is like, now you've seen what true foie is. You've seen all, you've eaten everything and you're tired and you're cliched. But I actually think like you brought up another thing, which is that sort of like youthful, <laughs> like, you know, more is better approach. And like, to some extent, like I recognize this, it's, it's different, but I recognize this if, from, you know, other crafts like writing when you're a young 22 year old trying to like write your first articles, write your first stories, write your first, whatever novels, like you just try to do backflips with everything you're writing. And I've like edited a lot of people where I'm just like, who are you trying to impress? Like you don't use this word. Like if you don't use this, word, it's the same thing with like food, right? Like you don't ever actually eat this ingredient, right? You never use this. You don't really like the taste of it. It's not something you put into your everyday diet. Like why are you forcing it into this dish? It's sort of the same thing with, you know, young writers will often, and, and this is not universal, but it's like, why did you, why did you use this word? Why did you use this turn of phrase? Why did you like use this like very complex three-part sentence here when like you don't communicate this way and it's not how you want to communicate. And I like that's the interesting thing. I think like as you get older and you're talking about Bianco and we've praised him so much on this podcast lately, but like he has the, the experience to be like, no, I didn't need to add seven things. I don't, I'm, I'm a chef without having, like being a chef doesn't mean like how many things can you do to this food before it becomes validated right like i think that 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 part of it is is super interesting yeah it's uh i think it's very similar to to someone starting out writing so i don't i still get excited about food but the thing that gets me excited now isn't a dish per se i think it's two things one it's the vibe it's the energy it's the perspective of somebody making it it's their point of view and what they're able to do with that that will always get me excited in terms of their artistry and the craftsmanship whether it's a pizza maker, someone making sushi, or somebody trying to bend the physics of what food could be, that always gets me excited. On the other end, what truly I think gets me the most jazzed about food is pristine perfection of ingredients. Mm -hmm. But not in the sense that I'm just going to just like, again, just eat it on a plate, right? I'm not going to just I'm not saying, no, oh, now I want to eat figs on a plate, but that gets me excited to see something perfect. And then that has nothing to do with, oh, now I'm in Southern California. No, I just think that there's a lot of people that work in food that feel this way. So when I see something nice, that gets me excited. And I'm not trying to do anything to it other than show it in its best way possible. That's also combined with a little bit of laziness, but you know, I'm not into sauces anymore. You know, as a, I think that's a better example. Like, I love sauce making. Saucier is a lost art in a lot of ways. People aren't going to be making reductions of sauces. You're not going to be making Bordelais sauce. You're not going to be making jus of all kinds anymore, with the exception of maybe Le, like Le Bernardin, right? Which I think is the great sauce mm -hmm. restaurant. That's what gets lost in the fish cookery is the fact that it's the Saucier program there that's world class. I'm not interested in sauces anymore. I'm just not. Because sauces are meant to cover the food. Yet at the same time, the conversation we have with Wiley about spice covering up food, 
I understand that too. Again, like everybody has their own perspective about what they want food to be. My personal approach right now is just give it to me simple and, and without covering it up with anything, you know, is part of it is part of it for you. Like, again, it's not, it's not about like, Oh, I have perfect produce now, but like the, the sauce is like, you're, you're making this consistent you're making a perfect beurre blanc. Right. And like a perfect beurre blanc exists within like a very specific range of, of flavor and texture and, and everything. So it's like, that's a perfect beurre blanc, whatever this nectarine over here, this <laughs> perfect pluot, whatever, like only exists this one time. <laughs> like, that's why it's exciting. It's like, this is only now, and this is only this one thing. And there is no way to like make this consistent. Like there's no, just like I can create this anywhere at any time. Like that's, what's still exciting about like the ingredient by itself. I guess so there is no rhyme or reason. I was thinking about Nantua sauce, this sauce that you would might see with uh brochette, uh, like pike canals. I, I I'm ex- describing a dish that honestly, most people will never have tasted, <laughs> but it's a classic is like a established classic of the, like the pantheon of cooking, yeah. In in, uh, in uh, I believe the Lyon region, but I will say, I was watching uh, on my phone a French chef taking beautiful crawfish, shucking the meat out of the tails, then cleaning the crawfish heads and making a nantua sauce, but not making with pike canals. It was just sort of broiled over the crawfish tails in a salamander, and that that kind of sauce making I love. Because it's done in like an hour, right? I don't want, and it's got the, all the essence, even though it's been mm-hmm. fortified with dairy and such, that pure flavor of what the sauce is, I love. I don't, I don't love everything else anymore. And I think it's that, like watching that dish, I was like, shit, I got to get to France. I want to eat that dish <laughs> because it's just simple. And it's also beautiful because it's sort of self-contained. It's just crawfish for the most part everything else i just i'm not i'm not too fond of right now well the other thing you you brought up was like chefs who don't eat their own food and i and i mean like there's different versions of this right there's people who have like eaten it so much they like they just can't eat it they taste it every single day but there's other versions like do you think how important is it as a chef to be eating your food as in like sitting in the dining room and eating it and are enough people doing it or too many people doing it? Well, I think that's uh, in a closed kitchen, I think it's important for everyone to taste the food. So there's so many stories I can think of, right? There are chefs that I know that want to eat with a general manager quarterly for every iteration of the menu to get a sense of how it tastes. It's important to know how the customer, the diner perceives things, right? You need to collect data outside of yourself. That's important. As important as it is to many chefs, many chefs would rather eat glass than do that. But, but can I can I just pause you for like one second and like and give an example of, of like what I have seen in, in regards to what you're talking about? Like it's one thing if everybody is tasting a dish in the kitchen and everyone's just like grabbing a tasting spoon out of like the Ban Marie and just like taking a bite out of it or like just scooping some and eating it. But like it's another thing when the ta- when the when the dish hits the table and is served with X piece of silverware. And like if you if you don't sit in the dining room and eat it with the same piece of silverware that they get at the table, like you might actually never know that like it's eating really poorly because like we just never thought like, oh, we all just ate this with a spoon with like no regards in the kitchen and we're serving it with like a fork out in the dining room. Right. 
I always think about Thomas Keller saying that he's never had probably one of the one of his iconic dishes. But now as I'm older, I understand that is because he's had all the components, he's tasted it all. He might have had it all on a spoon, but he's never had it together in the dining room. So, I mean, everyone has their way of doing it. I think it's funny that many chefs that you might admire, you might be at the restaurants, they give themselves like a horrible Yelp review because they don't want to eat there. <laughs> and sometimes it can be nice, but I don't like eating at my own restaurants. And, and I think I'm getting to a place where, you know, I'm just eating way simpler than I ever ate before. But um, I think everyone has different approaches to, to dining at their own establishments. But the funny thing is, for sure, if you've cooked a lot at home, you may notice that you never want to eat your own food. 100%. Um, and it's not just tasting. There's some, some act that happens where I think something triggers in your brain where you're just sort of satiated by just the act of cooking it and tasting it, and you don't want to eat it. I remember my, my, my mother was always that way. She never ate, but she would eat something else later. Um, and I feel the same way about the food that I make. But I sort of feel that same way about food in general right now. And it's not me being depressed or just cynical. I'm just in a different place right now. This episode is brought to you by Smucker's Uncrustables. I love a food hack. Check out Uncrustables, the best part of the sandwich. It's a round, crimped sandwich made with soft, pillowy bread filled with peanut butter and jelly. The best part is you simply freeze and thaw them, pop them straight from the freezer into a lunchbox for less work on a busy morning. You'll find Smucker's Uncrustables in the freezer aisle. Learn more at Uncrustables.com. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Look to your left, look to your right. Yep, no one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay guaranteed fit. It's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Seed. Did you know that most green powders and probiotics don't survive digestion? Seed's DS01 Daily Symbiotic is engineered in a two-in-one capsule to safeguard viability through digestion for complete delivery to your colon. A broad-spectrum probiotic and prebiotic formulated with 24 clinically and scientifically studied strains for whole body benefits, including gut, heart, and skin health. Visit seed.com slash Dave Chang and use the code 25DAVECHANG to start seeding today. That's code 25DAVECHANG to start seeding today. Well, speaking of, of cooking at home more, you and I were driving around the other day, LA, my new home, talking a little bit about grocery shopping as we as we always do. But uh, I was wondering, we should get into this a little bit. Like we were talking about, we got into a very detailed conversation about like which Asian markets we go to for what thing and like <laughs> monitoring the prices of, of Asian ingredients. Where are you, uh, where are you currently going for your shopping? Yeah, Grace is going to California market now in K-Town, she even though there's us. an H-Mart close to us, and, and um, we're going to piss off everybody. Alhambra. El Hombre. Yes. El, el, el Hombre. El Hombre. 
Well, let's pronounce it every which way but how they want us to pronounce it. <laughs> We're a couple of Alhambros. Alhambra. <laughs> Alhambra. Because inflation's real, man. And the funny thing is, I'm friends with some people that I'd never think would care about inflation. Their spending habits are changing. I think it's clearly happening. But man, H Mart is expensive. It's really expensive right now. Mm -hmm. So, you know, even my wife is going to California. I don't even know the name of this place for Korean Korean goods. So, and people are telling me, hey, you should order online. You do this. For me, when we had this conversation, I told you, I can't buy Asian ingredients online. Yeah. You said this. Why? I don't know. <laughs> Even like, but were you talking about like you can't buy sauces and and dried goods that you already know? Or are you just like, you can't buy any of it online? The things that are sort of staples you can buy, mm-hmm. but sometimes you want to just see it, right? right. You want to see all the variations. And, and I, I don't know why, but I no, feel I more feel comfortable you. buying white, gro- white people grocery stuff online. Right. Then I do Asian food. Right. I mean, I am I, I, I am I being racist to my own <laughs> peoples? No, I, I think that it's like uh you go to the Asian market and you see six seemingly identical brands and types of like dried shiitake mushroom. And you're like, there must be a difference. There must be a difference yeah. between these. Otherwise, they wouldn't carry all six of these. So you sit there and you stare at them. And then after five minutes, first, you make one major deduction. You're like, oh, these are different mushrooms. And then you like stay there long enough and you're like, oh, this one is flavored with matcha or something. And you're like, I eliminate that one. And finally, you arrive at like, okay, there's these two. One is cheaper and one's more expensive. This one says premium. Like, I get it. Like, that's part of the shopping experience for Asian ingredients. And like, online, you inevitably order something that's wrong. There are things that you can buy online from an Asian store like Wee, for example, Mm -hmm. where it's like golden curry blocks, or if you need hondashi, or if you need gochujang, stuff like that. That's fine. It's everything else that you need to be there, especially when it comes to proteins and vegetables and stuff like that, because there are actually so many. There's also, here's what I've learned. The variety that's at the Asian supermarket is not expressed or uh, it's not an analog to what is actually happening on the app. Yeah, it's not a one. It's not you're not seeing the same thing on the app that is. I don't want that chive. I want the yellow garlic chive, not the Korean chive, not the Chinese long chive. I want the yellow garlic chive. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and like if it's there, buy it. And I know it's gonna be nine ninety nine or whatever because it's expensive as hell, but it's really good. And another thing, let's just talk about this 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 garlic chive at H Mart. It's a perfect example. It's extremely pungent. It is wonderful as a recipe with pork belly. And you can get that at H Mart 2 or any of these Asian supermarkets. But this this vegetable is particular because near the roots, it's going to look really healthy. But as they package it, they put a lot of the tops and they fold it backwards. And that's where, where that fold is as it gets bruised, right? That's where it can start to deteriorate and it goes down. So you can buy a package and not know. That you bought mm-hmm. a wrong one. And those are the things that you need to know. Like, I, I don't like buying anything, Asian or not, that's a perishable item. 
Online. Because I feel a little bit like Joe Pesci and Lethal Weapon 2. They fuck you in the drive-thru. <laughs> and I hate it if I buy a piece of fish and I'll write into that, please don't give me the tail section. They have no idea. They have no idea. I don't know. I don't even know if it's the right f- fish. You know what yeah. I mean? I cannot. I I, yeah, there's there's no way. And like once you when you're in the store and you're shopping next to like somebody who's an online shopper and you see like the lack of uh, fucks they give for like the thing they're ordering, I'm just like, oh, I'm not. I can't order through you. But the chive thing is real. Like, so, okay, the chive is a perfect example. First of all, I don't think people uh, garlic chives is obscure for a lot of people. But like as you were describing it. I can picture it in my head. It's like a three-inch diameter bunch of chives, garlic chives, which are much more um, like firmer on the bottom. It's like one super, each one looks like a super long blade of grass. And like at the yeah. bottom, it's more firm. At the top, it's But floppier. let's talk, go over all kinds of the chives they have. They have regular uh, chives. No, yeah, you have, hold on. You have, you have regular chives that you might see in like a French restaurant. You right. have flowering onion chives. Right. You have garlic <laughs> chives. You have the Chinese flat chives that literally are just all green and look like somebody's lawn that was <laughs> overgrown. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you got yellow. And yellow. Which are more pungent and more expensive, but usually don't. You can buy in smaller quantities than the huge bunch. <laughs> I mean, so is, all, on yeah. the top of our head, there's five, at least five <laughs> chives, kind right. of chives right. of the alien family. But in the app, how, it just says how, chives. How the hell is somebody going to get that right? Yeah. No, how the hell is somebody going to get that right even going like on your own? Like that's, uh, you know, the, it's very, the chive is the perfect example of like why you have to be in the store to do it. Kimchi too. It's like, no, I don't want gaktuki. I said I wanted a pedro kimchi. I want this, this, and this. You can't do it. There's mm-hmm. just, it's too hard. Things get lost in translation. So outside of the staples, but even still, bags of rice. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Bags of rice, kinds of beans and legumes. There's just soy sauce. They're all fucking wrong because they should only have one, and that's the Momofuku <laughs> soy sauce. Of course. Of course. Fuck I you, H Mark. Um, <laughs> sesame oil. There's just too much, too yeah. many choices. Are you guys exclusively? We talked about this a little bit before, where like Korean grocery stores are the nice middle ground for like in terms of ingredients that are available. You can get across the board basically what you need. There's like some specialty Chinese stuff you won't get, some specialty Southeast Asian stuff you won't get, but like Korean markets are a nice cross-section. Are you guys exclusively at, you know, uh, California market, at Korean markets, or are there times where you're like, you'll go to the Japanese-specific market or the Chinese-specific market? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say uh, I feel like the, I'm not a fan of the Japanese markets in the Los Angeles area. Mm. It's going to cause some shit, I know. But <laughs> what? What? How are they disappointing you? Having lived in Japan, <laughs> it's, it's a hard comp to have. Right, right. I can, I can see that. I mean, I'm ex- you know, I, I want. It feels when you go to a a really nice food market in Japan, it feels like you just got into the pearly gates of heaven. It's it's so wonderful. Yeah, but speaking of variety, that's hard to like. You have to just sit there and stare at forever when you're just like, "Oh my god, which katsuobushi am I going to get?" Here, here, it's just different. I'm not, I'm not a fan. You know, I, I talked on the last podcast about doing some kind of Asian version of Italy. Who knows one day? But I don't go to Japanese markets. There is one in Gardena that I can't remember the name that I I like. I like the Mitsua in New Jersey. I don't like the Mitsua out here. H Mart. I've been so much. 
But I guess for me, the proteins are always an issue when I'm going to Asian markets. Because like I, while they look nice and they're sliced right, I don't know where they're from. Yeah, I want to know a little bit more. And while the fish program there is better than most other you know, grocery stores, I don't want to eat some of the fish they have there. <laughs> yeah, I think that I think you're being honest, and I think that I feel the same way. <laughs> like I, I mean, I don't. I, I feel. Like I don't a even know the names of the. I don't even know some of the names of those fish. I'm like, mm-mm. I'm, not, I'm, I'm always just like, them. I don't know how to make a yellow croaker. <laughs> I do. Yellow croaker is great. The only reason I don't eat yellow croaker, salty yellow croaker, is it's it, it's a intense smell. Okay. What is I the, love yellow croaker. It's salted. It's delicious. It's so fucking good. All right, I picked one that I should actually be making. Then, so I go back to yeah, the yellow, yellow croaker. Is great. <laughs> Dry, you know. I mean, I I hear you. Like, I love going into the Asian market and seeing, like, uh, you know, at ninety nine or whatever, where you're just like, holy shit, there's a lot of whole fish here. But like, I don't I don't know where these are from and what what's happening here and what to do with half of them. You know, I also don't. I also in the meat section, I'm also like, I don't know what pork bung is. <laughs> like, I don't know what to do with this thing. If Asian markets had their section like they have uh, American stuff like cheese, then yeah, it would work on 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 online. There's just one kind of American cheese. <laughs> there's not yeah. organic, there's not white, there's not five pack, there's not a 25 pack, there's yeah. not a reduced calories, <laughs> reduced fat. There's just fucking one. That's actually true. When you go to the Asian market and you go to buy like your your butter or your ketchup, it's not like here are twelve ketchups. There's no, there's one ketchup. They don't offer any other ketchups. It's one ketchup. Oh, with everything else, there's just too much. Just try to buy black beans, like dried oh black God. beans. Good luck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know. Uh, next time you're at an Asian market, try to buy. Um, an esoteric ingredient that not many people have, but it's always good. Spicy chili infused sesame oil. Mm-hmm. You're gonna see at least four to six varieties. Yeah. Good. Good luck. <laughs> try to uh, try to send your white wife to get the brand of <laughs> chili garlic pickles that you want. <laughs> good luck. Good luck getting the right one to come home. Like it's a crapshoot for sure. That's why I'm a fan of going in person. I think the staples, the snack foods, you can get that online. Now, are you drawn in to the food court, the hot bar? I think the H Mart food courts, if, if depending on the size, I think the food court really depends on the size of the store. There's a correlation. If it's, a, it's huge, then it's going to have a good food court. Okay, so this is when you were talking about the Mitsua in New Jersey versus the Mitsua here. Like, I think square footage has a lot to do when it comes to like the quality of these places. Like the big, I mean, the bigger the better, right? In all instances for Asian market. I'm also just saying I don't like buying prepared foods at any grocery store. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Somebody's somebody has sung the praises of. Well, when you say prepared foods, you're you're not talking about like fried chicken and JoJo's. What are you talking about here? No, 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 no. I'm talking about the in-store brand that was made at the grocery store stuff. Ah, you know, okay. anything that was just made at the grocery store, I, I, I'm not buying. I'm not saying it can't be good. So do you, do you fuck with H-Mart? Which is why I would rather have, I don't know where the, 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 the individual stores are getting their produce from. If they're getting it from the actual supermarket, great. One of the things that I think is 
I'm not trying to slag or talk shit. I just choose not to do it because hmm, these are the chicken breasts that didn't sell. <laughs> what do we do with these? Hmm. Chicken salad. Hmm. And now it just it got refreshed and a whole new lifespan on it. Yeah, exactly. I would rather buy its expiration. a tub of potato salad from some company <laughs> making in Omaha, Nebraska. Right. Who is like, per, like put preservatives up the ass to this thing that they know is not going to sell for three weeks as opposed to like, this mayonnaise is going guys, <laughs> use it or lose it. <laughs> that's not, that's not what you want. I was at the I was at the 99 in Irvine with my parents on like a Saturday or Sunday morning, 99 Ranch Market. And I will say though, there was a line out the door for like the hot food bar in the morning of Chinese people. And uh, 99 Ranch has it going on though. <laughs> they do. They the, 99 Ranch has it going on in, in the food court. They're 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 all in-house brands too. Yes. Can I tell you all of the the various things at play here though? There used to be a Sam Wu next door, Sanho, like a Sam Wu barbecue restaurant. If you know what this is, it's like a dim sum restaurant. Like there's a chain, but it's also like a Chinese barbecue place where you can go order roast duck or, or uh, pork belly by the pound, chashu, all your, all your goods. This place closed down. And so 99 is the only game in town for like their roast ducks, which are not as good. There's like a line out the door for, of people waiting for breakfast. But there's another thing happening here because like, Ordering dim sum at the hot bar is not the move. They all have lined up for Fantuan, which is like the the thing we have sung the praises of before, like a a, a Chinese crawler, yeah, with, Chinese burrito, with, with yeah, Chinese, Chinese burrito. breakfast Rice burrito. burrito. And the one I know, there's like a lot of like this is like the new hot, fancy, trendy, whatever. Like make your purple rice crazy Fantuan. Like I've seen some of these. Like 99s is as white and as plain as can be, and it's just like. Rice, a crispy yo tiao in the middle, pork floss, and Chinese pickles, and it's all wrapped in plastic, and it's like pretty fucking good. And it's just <laughs> line out the door for it. So I've 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 uh, experienced a lot with this ninety nine in my life. <laughs> Sasha's asking. Sasha wants to know <laughs> about the IKEA hot food bar, Dave. <laughs> That's furniture. Store brands. <laughs> Speaking of IKEA, I, I, I don't know if we talked about this before. I just want to express this again. How incredibly stupid our business is. But it makes it beautiful, right? Let's talk about IKEA. If IKEA, which is one of the biggest businesses in the world, had furniture that disintegrated at room temperature, <laughs> you just go, just disappear. It would rot, right? Mm-hmm. People would say, well, I don't know if that's a good business. Yeah. That's yeah. what the restaurant business is. It's, it's like I am making furniture that rots, if not cold stored. But regardless, it has a shelf life of a week tops. Right. Also, if it was like, unless the right person is making your furniture. I mean, Ikea's gene compared to the <laughs> to a restaurant, that's like just not a fair fight, man. Like that's how fucking fucking fucked up it is. You have places like Ikea and Nordstrom's and places that don't sell food. They sell food because it's like a joke. (laughs) They're like, we would never make our business around this part. This is just like the ha ha part. (laughs) It's on a lark, man. (laughs) Like, why would you do this for a living? Sell, sell plywood. Uh, 
you missed this recipe club, but I had an int- while we're talking about the grocery store thing, I did want to bring up something that that came up during recipe club that was interesting. So our our, our recipe submitter, I guess for what will be next week's episode, turned out, Dave, we have found him. He is a merchandising manager for a grocery store in in New York. So he's the guy who's like. Uh, sales are fucking down over here. Let's get rid of this item. Sales are up on this one. Like, let's put more of this stuff out. And I asked him for like, we should hit him up for more of this. But he, I was like, what's leaving? What's what's going out of style right now? No one's buying. And what's coming back in? Yeah. And, and if want- something's on sale, is that a good thing or a bad thing? <laughs> I will ask him that thing. If something's just like on a folding table with a bunch of other unrelated things, is that a good thing or a bad thing? But he said, Leaving the store at this New York uh, grocery store will be a bunch of brands of chai tea, which nobody is buying anymore. Interestingly, no more chai tea. And what he said is coming buying, back they're in. They're all buying pumpkin spice shit now. <laughs> you think it's just a seasonal change? Yeah. It's just people are buying pumpkin spice stuff. Uh, and the other thing he said that's coming back in, I'm interested in your take is like, he said people are have finally been returning in droves to the bulk food section. They were scared off during the pandemic or they had to be shut down during the pandemic, but everybody's coming back and buying in the bulk section. Like those sesame crisps things? Like yeah, like where you, like chocolate you get like pretzels? the big like you get the two quart scoop and scoop up a bunch of chocolate pretzels and stuff. Can we just talk about that right now? I guess we should just call what the fuck segment with bulk foods. <laughs> it's 2022. We're not some general store in the 1800s and the in the West, okay? There's you're buying your cracker meal and your yeah. <laughs> There's got to be a better way of buying it, right? In a bag where I don't have to use a wire twisting fucking thing, and either or it could the wire twisting thing could actually have space on it where I have to write the bin number of what the fuck mm-hmm. it is. Or write it on a sticker and tag it on. We're, we're the most powerful nation the, the world has ever seen. But we can't figure this shit out. Right. And my favorite is also how like the numbers are all like 8096 and numbers that can completely be read upside down in the exact backwards order. And, and, <laughs> and read yeah. you up for something else. And like, I never do it right. And I, never do and it I right. always, you know, let's just say I'm buying um, chickpea flour or whatever the fuck. Bulk. Get it out of a wheelbarrow or like a wooden barrel, right? Why, why does it all have to be a wooden barrel? <laughs> it's old timey, man. It's old timey. And as I'm checking out, I always get the look of, you fucking asshole. Like, it's my fault. <laughs> no, it's not my fault. Uh, also, I have stopped my children enough times from reaching their grubby, disgusting hands into like the bins to know that many disgusting grubby hands have been in those bins, mm-hmm. even if I prevented my children from doing so. Like, it's pretty gnarly, man. Like, especially the snacky ones. I sort of understand the like, okay, you put your bag up, you pull the lever down and you get some, uh, you get some popcorn kernels. I need, I only want like a cup of them or a half a cup of them. Great. But why are we selling delicious snacky chocolates that are definitely just people walking by and eating them from the bulk section? Why? And Sasha's Sasha's pro bulk foods. What say you? I completely think that this is this is where stealing happens. And for me, that's a pro. 
Like I would never buy a giant, like, what am I going to do with 10 nutmegs? I can just go to the bulk session and get one nutmeg and I have that for a year. And I don't need yeah, to buy you it. Put it in a giant plastic bag. What a waste. You're actually fucking ruining. No, it. She's that putting them in, in her pocket. pocket. This, this is admissible in court. Sasha, <laughs> Dave is shocked that you just admitted to fucking larceny on the Dave Chang show. This happened. No, because this happened where we tried to buy one. You and are like, fucking stealing <laughs> a You're, single nutmeg. You're a fucking stealing. What if everybody stole a single nutmeg, Sasha? What if we I all stole one nutmeg? I think it would probably nutmeg? be fun. <laughs> <laughs> Easy, Winona Ryder. Like, you don't have to fucking <laughs> do this. Wow. Wow. Winona Ryder's never going to live it down. She was like, Winona Ryder is like, I think people have finally stopped talking about my shop. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> I, Wait, to to Dave, all the to all, wooden barrels. Yeah, they're wooden barrels. I feel like it's always I've in some wooden seen, barrel. I have never it's, seen it's, it's, a, a Dave, Dave, Well, it's because you, have, at the you haven't shoplifted from it yet. Just know this. If Sasha's coming to your grocery store, pat her She's down. She's fucking stealing. She's stealing. Yeah. She's the nutmeg kid. Find the nutmeg. <laughs> <laughs> I dare you. Butch Cassidy and the nutmeg kid. Um, remember in uh, Goodwill Hunting, this is going to sound so crazy, that uh, when... Uh, Stellan Sorsgaard was explaining to Robin Williams about Ramanujan or the Indian genius. Mm-hmm. The kid who like discovered calculus on his own or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And how whale hunting was the closest thing to that. Mm-hmm. I think that the next field's medal of mathematics, real genius shit, they're looking in the wrong places. The next genius that's going to propel, <laughs> propel us is going to be from the grocery store clerk. That is like a pinball wizard. There's always one person, right? Yeah. Where everyone's I, calling. Yeah. Hey, Joni, what's this? And then, right. Eight, six, seven, five, two, three. <laughs> yes, this is my favorite person <laughs> in the world. It's like, uh, so- Sonia, what is this? And it's just like, those are the flour and garlic chives, four, nine, seven, two, four, four, three, five, seven, four, six, two. You're like, what the hell? <laughs> like, how do you do that? How long do you, legitimately, how long would it take you? To like memorize enough of those where you didn't have to look them up at a grocery store. I don't store. think that was learned at all. I think <laughs> that is evolution and just pure like gene. It's genius. It's genius. And I feel that the next Fields Medal should be awarded to the grocery store checkout person that's not the manager, but is basically Will fucking hunting. Okay. How about them fucking apples? <laughs> Uh, do you know about the Millennium Prize problems? There are evidently like seven <laughs> well-known math problems that have never been solved. Like Will Hunting style, like on the blackboard, like somebody solved this, you win. And there's like a million dollar prize attached to each of these problems. Like if somebody, anybody in the world can try to solve these problems and if they can do so, what do you do? What, what, what is your prize. job, Dave Chang? <laughs> I solve impossible math problems. How's it going for you? <laughs> Not, I mean, not so good. But I'm thinking kind of, I'm thinking about kind of, math. <laughs> I'm doing math. I'm productive. I'm working all the time. Oh. It's kind of a boomer bust business. <laughs> <laughs> There's seven opportunities. But I'm kind of like, 
we've put a lot of, of, of sort of like food questions and conundrums out in the world. I think that at some point we should be, we should come up with our own like Chang, Chang Millennium Prize food problems, like seven unsolved food problems. I have and one. Come up with the prize. It's impossible to make a turducken delicious. And secondly, <laughs> secondly, yes. the delicious turducken is problem number one. Problem number one. <laughs> having, having done this a lot, tried to make it. I don't care. If you are able to make a delicious turducken, the reason why it's like a Gordian knot type of thing, why? After you get it, let's just say you are able to make it delicious. The question is, is why? Mm-hmm. Why should you make this? <laughs> yeah. This is, I mean, legitimately, this is actually like the types of problems these are. It's like the the problem with the delicious turducken is by solving the delicious turducken problem, you unsolve it because there's no reason to make the delicious turducken. Like this is the kind of shit you need to prove. On like TikTok, you see uh, people stacking a whole package of American cheese and a whole package of like ham, so it's like this big. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. their challenge is how do I get the molten center without burning everything else? Right. Why? 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 Right. We're going to call this one. Okay. Honestly, the Dave Chang uh, Millennium Prize problem, this is going to be called Solve for Why. <laughs> you know, you know you, another thing that I don't understand why, why would I want to buy a package of overnight oats? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, because it's a wonderful scam. It's man. such a fucking like, scam. It's also so tiny. It's so small. It's so small <laughs> that. I don't understand. Because here's the thing. More than likely, you're buying the overnight oats at night. <laughs> okay? So just think about the I mean, mathematics but- of this. Give me the fucking feels metal now. Okay? I love... So you, you have time to, in a bowl that's much larger than this fucking bullshit package, pour your rolled oats... And any yeah. kind of liquid to your liking. And the next morning when you wake up, it will be overnight oats. <laughs> uh, what I really want to see, though, I want to walk into one of these stores where it's like you have side by side, like today's yogurt parfait and right next to it, <laughs> the overnight oats, which are just clearly yesterday's yogurt parfait. It's just like it's it's just shit you left out, man. Yeah. When is Greek yogurt going to get displaced from another part of the world? Are you done? Are you done with Greek yogurt? Who came up with Greeks? I mean, I understand democracy, right? Uh, Pericles and Greek thought and Socratic method. All of these things. The The Parthenon. Great. These things are, you know, Greek salads, olive oil. (laughs) <laughs> Greek salads stuck in there yeah. with the, just uh, below the Parthenon. Feta cheese, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Where, where, where and how did we let Greece own fucking yogurt? Yeah. How? It's a problem. Who? Who, who, who let that happen? We just like left it wide open. I mean, open. come on. They haven't had a win in many, many millennia, though. Come on. You can give they them They invented yogurt. It was democracy. Like, they don't need yeah, to. Yeah, and then what? And then what? <laughs> what are you talking about? They, they let 300 fucking dudes die. Okay? Uh, it just, it's 300. 
I think they killed 300 dudes. What was it? It was the other, whatever. All right. I mean, I think this is literally a conversation at like the Greek tourism board was like, guys, we have not, we have not put ourselves on the map since democracy. I want to know who this person was. Okay. Talk about now we're going to not go. We're moving from why to who. <laughs> this is a new segment. <laughs> who? This is, this is the next problem in the Chang Prize. <laughs> who is responsible? For the marketing machinations of Greek yogurt, somebody Genius. had an idea, and they said, "Guess what? We're going to make Greece the dominant force in cultured dairy." Who please. is this? Is it James Carville? Did he come up with this? <laughs> <laughs> the raging Cajun came up with the Greek yogurt marketing launch because this fucking person is a goddamn god. <sighs> Are we going to look back and just realize that we should have treasured James Carville even more, the Rage and Cajun? I know he got a lot of play, but what a special nickname. <laughs> what a crazy guy. Ah, on the very first thing on the web, the great, great worldwide web, I found something. Greek yogurt, an origin story. Records of yogurt in Greece begin in the 5th century BCE with the writings of Herodotus. But in reality, the process of straining yogurt begins somewhere in the Middle East. Yogurt, yogurt, yogurt. Greek yogurt gets its name from a corporate marketing scheme developed by Fage to divert sales Faye. Faye, to divert sales away from traditional American yogurts like YoPlay and the traditional creamier, more protein-dense product. Wow. It was introduced by a Greek company, and therefore it's Greek yogurt. That's literally why they, call, they, they got to call it that. That's literally it. It's a bit complicated because the um, original thermophilic yogurt comes from Bulgaria. That's right. Okay. But you know what doesn't sell well? Bulgarian <laughs> yogurt. Who is the marketing genius at Fage? How do you pronounce it? I don't know. I think it's Faye. Am I doing that right, Sasha? Faye. Pronunciation Seems game. like something Sasha would know. I feel like Sasha would know this. It's Faye or not Faje? It is Faye. I don't know why I know it. But I, I know why you know it. Because that's... <laughs> why? Because this is because Greek is the language of thieves. <laughs> I'm going to not pronounce it Faye. It's Phage. Like Sage. Phage. Phage. Right? Who is this person? Come forth. <laughs> Come forth. We want to we wanna hire you. Yeah. We want to meet you. <laughs> we want the whole thing. It is thing. like so genius. It's so genius. Yeah. It's a corporate marketing scheme. Like, come on. Okay. Give us five stars. I'm going to go to sleep. <laughs> This episode is brought to you by UGG. Y'all know UGG is a brand that athletes wear all the time in the tunnel and on travel days. Well, I bet you think UGG season is only during the colder months of the year. Oh, contraire. You're wrong. You need to check out the latest spring drop from UGG. They have everything from sandals to clogs. I like the sandals. UGG has you covered for your next spring adventure. Shop the Golden Collection at UGG.com.